Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Manly Hanley Podcast. This is the podcast with no limits on what we'll cover. I'm your host, Randy. Have a snack, sit back, and relax. That just squirted right in my eye. Son of a bitch. This episode was recorded on Saturday, March 5th, 2022. It is warm in Michigan. It's like 50-something today. Awesome. All right. Today's topic is distro hopping. I just named... I think I just named it distro hop, but maybe I'll, I'll name it something like stop the hop because maybe it's a bad thing. I don't know, but I was reading about it. So I was like, eh, I'll just talk about this today because I have been using Linux a little bit more lately on my personal laptop and I just like it the more and more I use it again. <laughs> but there's one small problem. I can't sit still on a distribution, just like a lot of people that like to try distributions. There's reviewers out there that do this. So what is distro hopping? So first off, if you don't know what Linux is, think of it as like maybe you got Apple and Android or your, you know, your two big players in the mobile phone field. And then there's this one that you haven't heard of. That's kind of how it is with Linux in the computer desktop area. As far as servers, Linux dominates. No question. It's just like not, it's not even close. But desktops, no, no, not even close. There's just not much Linux unless you're a Linux user and you just follow it around yourself. But what you're going to find in stores generally is either Apple or Windows you know, or Mac or PC, right? Well, so what is distro hopping? Now that I've told you what Linux basically is, if you've never heard of it, it's uh, distro hopping is just not settling on any particular Linux distribution. So novice Linux users are likely the ones that do this the most. And that's what I'd still call myself when it comes to Linux command line. Anyways, I'm definitely beginner novice at best, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would consider myself a distro hopper. I mean, I am. And the question is, though, where, where does that get you? Do you actually learn or grow when distro hopping? Yes, I will say that. You'll learn about desktop environments, just, you know, aesthetics. and But you're not really learning the deep... Most people aren't when they're just constantly hopping. I, I don't think you're going to learn the innards of Linux. So that's why I think it's good to watch YouTubers that are pros on Linux or maybe even just Linux command line videos because it's amazing what people can do with just typing text instead of clicking around on a graphical user interface. And that's where Linux is really powerful because the people that can leverage Unix or Unix, Linux or Unix are generally really good at the command line and they can do stuff often faster at the command line than you can in a graphical user interface. And they demonstrate it in videos. They'll show you like here's a task that you can do on the command line that you could no way in heck do it as efficiently you know, on the command line, unless you have an application that's specialized, but that's, that's adding extra stuff. That's, that's not fair. It's not out of the box with the command line. You can just get to work. Okay. So back on topic, what I wanted to get, get to is, uh, do you actually learn or grow when hopping? Well, there are articles on how to stop distro hopping. <laughs> and I find one that you can, uh, or they talk about, I'll talk about which one I find interesting, but Basically, they tell you how to stop distro hopping and sticking with one for decades. Um, this one that I'm going to talk about today. This one particular article is from makeuseof.com, like make use of something, you know, um, dot com, that mentions how there are so many distros out there that it may seem like a nearly impossible task of finding the best one. 
and I'll source the article in my show notes. Carbonation there, I had to hiccup a little bit. <laughs> uh, it basically talks about distro hopping like it's almost a drug, a drug addiction the way they talk about it at first. But the more I read this article, I realized it's a really killer article. Like this is a nice write-up. Uh, see who the art, uh, author is on this. Shout out to uh, Deepesh Sharma, who wrote this article. My God, that's a killer article. And I think it said at the bottom that this was a, a junior editor for... Man, give this guy a promotion, man. Promo, promotion. I can't talk. But this is, he wrote a very nice long guide. It's, it's, it's awesome, and it gets me thinking. So, I mean, man, this guy has an awesome write-up. So it's called How to Stop Distro Hopping and Find the Perfect Linux Distro for Yourself. It's, it's to the point, but it covers everything like really well. I feel like you can almost learn about Linux by reading this guy's article. So it's pretty awesome. And yeah, it does kind of talk about it like it's a drug addiction. Like I sound like I'm kind of flip-flopping back and forth. Maybe it is doing that. But I've been using Linux for close to 15 years now. So maybe it's that this article hit home with me. And I still would consider myself a novice user. And I've been using it for 15 years. That's kind of, okay, it's time to grow a little bit, right? So it's like, yeah... The main reason is probably because in the corporate world, I work with Windows servers, um, you know, and but there are plenty of chances to mess with a Linux server. There's no excuse to not be able to because it's free. You can mess with it. And I have it at home. I do have a Linux server. I have a few like on a machine, not like I have a few separate machines, but I mean, I actually do have two, but you can run multiple machines or Linux servers on one machine, right? Virtualization, which I do. But so what's my excuse? 15 years. Well, I've been hopping distros on Linux desktops. Desktops are not necessarily the same as the server. Yeah, the terminal's there and you can use it, but on a desktop, you're using it just like you would in Windows. So the article kind of hits right on thinking about why you distro hop in the first place. And are you looking for a stable system? You know, maybe they're asking if you look for the best eye candy. Uh, is it a rolling release distro that's always cutting edge? Which, you know, something like Arch-based distros like Manjaro and Endeavor OS tend to be like that, I guess. But they also get me thinking, what are the major issues that I run into with a distro? And is it really a deal breaker that causes me to hop to another? Why am I doing this? So I personally think it's just that, yeah, I like something shiny and new a lot. And it's free. So it's not like, hey, I just spent another $100 each time I'm trying out another one. Linux is free. I mean, uh, maybe... Elementary OS is kind of like tries to get some money out of people, but it gives it to, to the developers, so it's still pretty cool. But Linux is free. I mean, it's unless you're paying for commercial support for something that's built on free technology, Linux is free always. I mean, but um, so what are the major issues that I run into with the distro that's like making me say, I want to try another one. I want to try another one. Personally, I think it's something shiny and new and it just runs more efficiently. And that would be something like Pop OS or Linux Mint. I generally tend to go between those two all the time. And it's just like, I think Linux Mint is like what Ubuntu was 15 years ago, Ubuntu Linux. Um, and they just improve and make more popular and cool what Linux is. And Pop! OS lately, in my opinion, is just killing, and, and Mint too, both together, are just the ones running the show, in, in my humble opinion. They make, you know... Gnome 4 or whatever, or like the latest version of Gnome, more desirable. They customize it so much to where it's actually useful because out of the box, it's not 
necessarily perfect, <laughs> but it's 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 I love it. But I think like Pop OS Linux and Linux Mint make it incredibly just much much better. And a lot of people think believe the same. They think the same. That's why I keep going back to them. But so yeah, I still run into major issues with the Linux distro, and I'm gonna say mainly what it ends up being is some things that I can't run in Linux that I could run in Windows. Well, I'm still going to run into those issues, though, when I hop to another distro. So it's like, what I've learned to do, and I and it took me big, big, it was a big, big step for me to get rid of OneNote was my first thing ever. Like, that was the biggest move I've made in recent, in the last, I don't know, it's been probably a year now since I moved away from OneNote, at least. That was so incredibly difficult for me. I still believe that OneNote is one of the best programs ever written in the history of the world. It's just, it's such an, a great program, but it's not open source. It's locked down to Microsoft in certain ways, and it's becoming more, I don't know, universal Windows platform appy, like just more appy, like all their other stuff is. It's just, it's too, I can't use it in Linux without being a pain in the ass. I, I, you know, I'm not going to run crossover like emulation to run this in my system. I'm not. And I eventually got rid of it. I said, you know what? It's not worth it anymore. I'm going to, you know, lose a few features to switch to something that's open source and something I can trust. And I know there's no spyware or anything. Not that I'm saying that Microsoft does any spyware. Microsoft's a great company, but we just don't know exactly what's in the code per se, unless they release the source code. So it's, it's, it's like, you know, you're talking to your family member. They're not telling you everything. You're like, I, I can trust you, but you're, there's something you're not telling me. It's kind of how I feel about Microsoft in some ways and Apple as well. But or just the solution, it may not be like finding all these little issues and correcting them. Maybe the solution is just listing your needs and preferences, according to make use of, and just take those and then start with that to see which Linux distribution covers those needs and preferences. So here are some that I could think of for myself to look out for to start. So absolutely necessary applications that I can replace what I did in Windows or Mac OS. So I did that. I took uh, obsidian.md. That's the app I used that replaced OneNote. Obsidian.md is incredibly powerful in linking ideas. That's mainly what it's made for. But I can also do whatever I want with the data. I can sync it in my own cloud. It's text-based files that I can access for all mankind. They're not proprietary. I can do whatever the heck I want with them. Nobody can stop me. That's what I like. I need that. And it overpowered. It outshined what OneNote did for me in the long run. I hate to say that. Um... So that's one thing. Absolutely necessary applications. You know, I'm growing into the Linux ones. I didn't think that would happen ever because I was like, oh, there's so many things in Windows. I can't run Studio One. This software that I'm recording to you on right now, my favorite audio production software, DAW, Digital, Digital Audio Workstation, cannot run in Linux. It cannot. That sucks. That really sucks. And yes, there are DAWs in Linux, but they don't touch Studio One, in my opinion. So I am going to have Windows. But what I'm going to do is just limit Windows to the... It's going to go back in the on the shelf until I have to record something. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll keep this machine alive with Windows 10 for 15 years or whenever I you know switch to another software. I don't know, but I have to keep Windows alive for this software or Mac OS, but I prefer Windows over Mac OS. It's just like I can't get fully... Uh, and I'll never fully get rid of Windows. I use it in work all day, every day, right? But for my personal use, I want to limit how much Windows I use for the rest of my life. Um, Microsoft's not going to change. All these cloud, you know, 
software as a service things are not going to change. Adobe's not going to change. I don't think so. I mean, it's it's not going anywhere. It's, it's 10 years now, at least since Creative Cloud, I think, started. This stuff's not going away. Um, and Linux is the best way to, to, to get away from it, I think. <laughs> it's like my own little place in the country that nobody can touch. That's kind of what I think of it as. But yeah, so there are some, there's some things that you just can't, you can't do in Linux. Uh, gaming. <laughs> there you go. You can game in Linux. Yes. Uh, Linux activists out there are going to be like, shut up, dude. You can game in Linux. Yes, you can. You can play Zero AD and all these other games that have always ran, run Linux forever. But no, you're not until the Steam Deck or whatever revolutionizes gaming, which I think I would love to happen. But there's been some setbacks. I, I hope it happens. It's just, it, it's able to do it. That's the thing. Linux can game. It's just, we're not there. We don't have the these billion dollar companies developing games for it out of the box people are finding workarounds these people that are geniuses and oh my gosh kudos to them for doing this these people in the linux community that work on all these apps we're nothing without them we can't do any of this cool stuff so gaming's another thing you're going to lose you're going to have to have your windows machine sitting on the side because gaming and, and mac os in my opinion blows and i mean i think it's better in linux than mac os in my opinion but um yeah i mean you can't fully escape. So maybe you have your gaming rig that you just turn on when you play games. Just like my Sony PlayStation isn't running Linux. I have to run whatever software is running on that PlayStation to play the games. There's some things you can't get away from, and you have to accept it. So back on topic, I know it sounds like a tangent, but I'm, I'm coming around. I'm, I'm telling you what how this all ties into each other. But these are things that you may need, your list, your needs and preferences. And then maybe another one is your best package manager for you. Most Linux distributions come with a package manager. It's think of it as your app store for Linux, but everything's free. You just go around and purchase stuff. Click, check a little, you know, little box. Click apply. Everything downloads and installs. You don't have to go out to the site to find the software. It does it for you. Well, which Linux distribution has the best package manager? That's that's debatable. I love Synaptic Package Manager. And the cool thing is, with Linux, you can install it on just about any Linux distribution that's Debian based, at least. But and that's the most popular distributions like Pop! OS and Ubuntu, you can just get Synaptic if it's not already included like it is in, I think, Linux Mint. You can just download it in a few seconds. And I like Synaptic because you can just see all the packages available, like all the software, and just check the box on what you want. But then they have Linux distributions that are beginner-friendly like Mint and uh, Pop! OS, and they have like kind of like a little front end for that Synaptic that looks prettier, like a, like a I don't know, iTunes app store kind of look. And it's just beautiful how they do this. Like it's just got, you know, little software um, summary and screenshots of the software. And then you can just click, it'll help you decide right away if you want to install it. So you don't have to go Google it and look it up. It's right there for you. So yeah, I like to have a good package manager. And another thing, fast and snappy desktop operations. I find that Pop! OS does this really well with how they customize the GNOME um, environment, <laughs> the GNOME desktop. So they have a cool feature in Pop! OS, for example, that tiles the windows. Some people might find it annoying. I think it's revolutionary the way that Pop! OS implemented this. It's incredible. You could have like a few windows open. Say you have like three windows open on your screen. You go up to the top right of the screen, click the little tile slider. It automatically tiles those in a grid, like kind of like lays out like a checkerboard of the windows on your screen. You don't have to drag them and snap them or anything. It does it for you. And it does a damn good job of it it's it's just it's cool to see in action and then if you're done looking at that view at the seeing all your windows you can just turn the slider off and then it turns it off you can move them wherever you want 
that's something else I look for is fast and snappy desktop operation. Not too overly fancy Windows transparencies. I don't need all that. Windows 11, you, you can try your best. You still need some work. So um, and it, an awesome user interface. That's another thing. Maybe some cool looking icons. Maybe uh, dragonized uh, Arch-based distro. Uh, Garuda Linux, is, that's what I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, Garuda Linux. That's a really pretty distro, but ooh, it's, it's got some glitches and overly complicated UI in my opinion, but it looks, nothing looks as cool as it. I don't know, maybe it's improved now, but... So since there are so many distros out there, take that list that you made, you know, if you want to do this, and see what aligns closely with the next distro that you want to hop to. And maybe this could be the last hop. So that's really all I have for you today. And I'd like to thank you for putting time aside to listen to the podcast. Be sure to follow our podcast. You know, you can go to my website at randyhanley.com. Send me an email at randy at randyhanley.com. And if you're a new listener, we would love to hear from you. So just shoot me that email. Follow me on Twitter if you want. Whatever. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening.